Welcome to the Wellness and Wanderlust podcast. We're here to demystify wellness and help you add a little adventure to your life. Tune in for a new episode every week where we'll hear from incredible guests and talk about ways to be happier and healthier in our new normal. I'm your host, Valerie Moses. Let's get started. Hello, hello, and welcome to Wellness and Wanderlust. I am so excited to share this week's guest with you, and I know that you are just going to love her too. In this week's episode, I had the opportunity to chat with Jen Glantz, who is a three-time author, speaker, podcaster, coach, and professional bridesmaid. Yes, you heard that correctly. A few years ago, Jen's story went completely viral when she posted on Craigslist offering her services as a bridesmaid for hire, and several years later, she owns her own business and is doing a million other things as well that you'll get to learn about today. If you didn't come across her story on BuzzFeed or the Today Show at the time, you might just be living under a rock. In today's episode, Jen and I chat about what inspired her to become a bridesmaid for hire and what that title actually means. We also talk about what it means to be the first to do something and how you can learn to trust yourself when you're embarking on a new opportunity. She shares her story as an entrepreneur and what that transition was like, and we learn about how she's actually inviting strangers to weigh in on her own decisions as she plans to say, I do. Jen and I first connected several years ago when her book, All My Friends Are Engaged, was first published, but before we started recording, we actually realized we almost met a lot sooner. Jen was actually supposed to be the leader of my Birthright Israel trip in college, and we are fellow UCF Knights. She is such a kindred spirit. I loved getting the chance to connect with her and learning about these missed connections, and I'm going to let her fill you in on everything she's been up to. So without further ado, let's dive into today's episode. Hey, Jen. Thank you so much for joining us on the show today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm super excited to be here. Well, I'm super excited to have you, and I'm guessing that a lot of our listeners have probably seen a little bit about you over the years. They may have seen your name in the news and be familiar with your story, but why don't you tell listeners a little about yourself? Sure. So my name is Jen Glantz, and I started off as a writer. I had a blog called The Things I Learned From that later spun into a variety of books around dating and relationship. My first book is always, my first book is All My Friends Are Engaged. My titles are so similar that sometimes I forget, but all All My Friends Are Engaged is book number one. Book number two is Always a Bridesmaid for Hire. And book number three is about my experience getting married called Finally the Bride. But I'm the most well-known for a business I started over six years ago called Bridesmaid for Hire, where strangers will hire me to be at their wedding as their bridesmaid. And I was the world's first person to do this. And I also have a podcast called You're Not Getting Any Younger, which helps people disrupt their lives for a good reason hopefully to make it count because we're not here forever. So that's just a little bit of my background. I love all of that. And first of all, I read All My Friends Are Engaged when I was in school, and I can so relate to some of the crazy dating stories that you have in there. So we'll definitely have to offline about some of that. I would love to know too, you know, you mentioned being a bridesmaid for hire, being a professional bridesmaid. Tell us how you came about that. 
so it was such an accident. You know, after I graduated college, all of my friends literally got engaged and I became the bridesmaid for all of them. And then what started to happen was like a lot of distant friends that I wasn't so close with, they also asked me to be a bridesmaid. And it came to the point where I was like, this is getting weird. You know, I'm hardly speaking to these people. I hardly see them. And they're asking me to be a bridesmaid. And there was one night I was venting to my roommate and she was like, Jen, you've become a professional at this. And this light bulb went off in my head and I thought, if I could do this for friends, why couldn't I do this for strangers? So I went on Craigslist, I posted an ad. I know it sounds crazy, but I posted an ad offering my services as a bridesmaid for hire. And the ad blew up. I got hundreds of emails from people all over the country. They had never heard of anything like this, but they needed this. And within days, I had built a website, built a business, and booked my first client, Ashley, from Maple Grove, Minnesota. And just like that, my whole world changed and I became an entrepreneur practically overnight, which of course sounds glamorous, but also came with many headaches and a lot of a lot of problems along the way. I think that's so incredible how your business really blew up from there. And I would love to know, you are the first professional bridesmaid. There have been no others before you. How do you forge your path in something that really has never been done before? You know, when I started the business, I knew that there was risk that came with it, meaning since no one had done it before, I was going to test something out and see if it worked. But with that risk came a lot of decisions that I had to make by myself, such as pricing, such as how I was going to structure this position and this service. There were so many decisions that I had to make. And sometimes the only way to make decisions is to try something and figure out how to optimize it. So when I first started, I had no clue what to charge. And I realized after working all these weddings, I needed to raise my price. And when you are starting something from scratch and you don't necessarily have a game plan to go with it, you have to just try something, put something out there and you could always optimize, always change. Too many people don't start things because they're waiting for that perfect moment or that perfect amount of knowledge, but that's how you let time pass by. So for me, I'm, I'm, a, I'm the kind of person who's not a perfectionist, but I am a kind of person who feels this urgency in life. And that's why I put things out before I know what I'm doing sometimes. And that was with Bridesmaid for Hire. I had never run a business before, but I put something out there. I got a couple of clients and then I optimized along the way. And I think that's really important for people who might be trying to do something that doesn't exist or they want to do it differently is start now and you can make changes along the way. I love that. That reminds me of a quote that my mom always uses, begun is half done. You know, Mm. just get started and you'll kind of be able to figure out along the way, but it, you know, it helps you to start moving forward and not duck in one place. So I really, really love that advice. Now, what have you learned? You know, you transitioned from a corporate nine to five to entrepreneurship, what was that transition like for you? You know, it was crazy because I was working as a copywriter at a tech startup and all of a sudden I got laid off. And for a while, you know, I was working full time, but I was also doing this business full time. So my life was a complete chaotic mess constantly. And when I got laid off, I remember just walking out of that office thinking like, I am going to do whatever I can to never have to work for somebody again. And I felt this way because I was never a good employee. And what I mean by that is I could never just do my job. I wanted to do my job, but I also wanted to know how this department worked. And I also wanted to know what that department was doing. Like I was the kind of person who just was never happy just being a copywriter. So when I got laid off from that job and I had the opportunity to sort of create my path forward, I decided 
said, you know what? Like, I'm going to do whatever it takes to figure out all of the different side hustles to run this business, to make enough money to not have to work for anybody else. And it was terrifying and it was hard. And, you know, I'm not going to by any means glamorize what happened, but it required me to pull every strength I have as a person, every skill I had professionally to, to make it work and figure it out. And, you know, it was, it was great to be able to do that. But being an entrepreneur is, is hard because you're responsible for your paycheck every single month. And when you have bills to pay or when you live in a city that's expensive, that's a lot of pressure. So I think mm-hmm. if you are interested in being an entrepreneur, know the truth. Know that it is a lot of work. Know that you don't have a set schedule of nine to five. You are now working from the second you wake up until the second your eyes close. Know that you're working weekends. Know that you're responsible for every decision. Know that it's super lonely. So, you know, a lot of people want to be an entrepreneur, but sometimes they may not know the truth behind it. And I'm very, very open and realistic about my journey, my experience, because I want people to know what they're getting into. Absolutely. And I think it involves a lot of getting out of your comfort zone from what that sounds like, too. Yeah, absolutely. And not only getting out of your comfort zone, but learning to trust yourself. Because if you don't trust yourself, no one's going to trust your business and no one's going to understand your path forward. And, you know, my whole life, everything I've tried to do, people laughed at or told me I couldn't do or told me I wasn't good enough. But I had to continue to trust myself. I mean, when you start a business like Bridesmaid for Hire, everyone in your life calls you crazy. Mm -hmm. And even people I knew very well, people who are strangers to me, everyone was like, are you kidding me? This is not a business but I didn't listen to them. And if I did listen to them, I wouldn't have a business called Bridesmaid for Hire that's six years old. So I've had to learn like a huge lesson in life as an entrepreneur, as a human being, is that you have to trust yourself. And if there's something that you really wanna do, but the people around you don't understand or don't like, you have to trust that you're gonna go ahead and do it and see what happens. And you have to trust that if it doesn't work, you'll find a way to be okay, because you will. Definitely. And I think, you know, a lot of our listeners too, they, you know, when we talk about different topics that everyone is struggling with, I think learning to trust yourself can be one of those things that we struggle with. Maybe we feel that sense of imposter syndrome. Do you ever run into that? And how did you learn how to trust yourself? All the time. You know, I think the thing with imposter syndrome is that it doesn't just go away. It shows up constantly and it usually shows up when other parts of you are not being treated well. So maybe it shows up after a series of rejection or maybe it shows up because you're overworked or stressed or maybe it just shows up because it's Thursday and it wants to show up. So I think imposter syndrome is something that a lot of people deal with and live with. But a lot of what you have to do is check yourself and sit there and think, okay, like what am I holding my back myself back from today or what am I so scared of? And how much of that is realistic and how many how much of that did I create and make up in my head so I think having these conversations with yourself, I'm like a big believer in talking to yourself regularly, like speaking to yourself out loud, talking in with yourself. Like my new thing is I don't, I don't meditate. I'm not a meditator, but before I go to bed every night for 20 minutes, I just sit in my bed. I sit up straight and I close my eyes and I process and I think, and it's not meditation necessarily. It's just me processing everything in my head and being able to do that allows me to be like, you know what, Jen, like you felt like a bit of an imposter today, but you brought that on yourself because of this, this, and this. I love that. I think that time for reflection is so important. And I think you're right. I think it's that mindset and maybe we're not treating other parts of ourselves well when we are experiencing that. So I think that really is so important. And I'd love to know too, you know, as a bridesmaid for hire, I'm sure you run into a lot of crazy stories throughout your time. Um, You know, in these weddings, people are not always the best 
version of themselves in a stressful situation. I'd love to know um, any crazy stories that have come up during your time as a bridesmaid for hire. Oh my God. Like, I feel like every <laughs> other wedding, it's like something unbelievable happens. And I'm like, I thought that I saw it all, but I didn't. Um, you know, like the one I always like to talk about because it was the hardest moment for me professionally was a wedding I worked in Staten Island a couple of years ago, where five minutes before the wedding, the bride pulled me aside and said, Jen, I don't like the groom. I don't want to do this. And, you know, at that point, like, I think one of the things people don't realize about my job is like, I have no, you know, agenda. Like, if you don't want to get married, you don't have to get married. My job is never to force you to do anything you don't want. My job, like a good friend or a good therapist is to help you figure out what's best for you in that moment. So while there were 200 guests waiting for her to walk down the aisle, mm-hmm. and while the DJ was about to play the song, and, you know, my, my thought process in that moment is, look, if you want to leave, we'll get out of here right now. I'll call us an Uber, we'll get pizza, like we'll be okay, but I want to make sure you're doing the right decision. So I sat her and the groom down and I made them talk in private for 10 minutes. And after those 10 minutes, they realized, look, like they have similar feelings that this isn't right, which by the way, is a common thing. It's called cold feet and it's real and it's okay. And people should never feel ashamed to feel this way, but they both realized like this wasn't the right thing for them, but they were going to go through with it in the sense of like, just sort of pretending to be married and have a party. And that was it. And, you know, it was one of those moments where I I realized, like, again, my role is not to do what's best, but it's to help people figure out what's best for them. And I think one thing people don't realize about weddings or people or even my job is that a lot of my job is the psychology working with people is getting them through challenging situations is not dancing on the dance floor. It's just helping people process this chaotic thing called a wedding. I think that's so true. You know, I think, first of all, you should have maybe an honorary degree at this point from probably, um, you know, it is a very emotional day for so many people. I think that's so incredible that you were able to get them to sit down. And I think it's so important to have that, you know, advocate on that day who's able to help you out. But at the same time, you know, while you have forged, you know, relationships with them, you're still in a, in a sense that impartial party, you're not going to judge them one way or another if they do make a certain decision, but you're still there for them, helping them to really think through the decisions they're going to make as well. Yeah. And I think that's what keeps me loving this job six years later is not that it has to do with weddings. It's that it has to do with people. And I've always had a passion for helping strangers, especially women in difficult situations. And that's what weddings tend to be. So I think like what keeps me going, because the wedding environment is super tough. Like wedding vendors in general feel burnt out pretty quickly. And I think what keeps me going is just the passion for helping people around me. I love that. I'd imagine right now it's probably looking pretty different with the pandemic going. Are you working weddings in a, in a virtual environment or how is that looking right now? Yeah, absolutely. So I'm working a lot of virtual weddings, but also a lot of in-person, socially distant weddings, but also just helping a lot of people virtually as that bridesmaid who's available to talk things out with them. And I think I'm in an interesting position because I'm also trying to get married during a pandemic. So I think not only am I now bringing that bridesmaid experience, but also bringing like the, hey, I'm the bride who also has their wedding messed up. Like, let's talk. So you know, weddings never actually stop happening, even during a pandemic. It's just that people are doing them differently or they're planning different ways. So we've still had a lot of clients just in a different sort of way. That's really cool. And, you know, you mentioned that you're getting married. I love the story of how you met your husband. Do you want to share that with our listeners? 
Yeah, of course. So, you know, the beginning of the story starts off actually on February 12th, 2016. I went to a singles party. It was like a singles Valentine's Day party. And I met a psychic and the psychic sat me down and said, Jen, you're never going to find love. You're going to be single forever. And obviously that was very shocking (laughs) advice to get. And obviously- Uh, it was devastating, but I'm the kind of person that when I hear things like that, I go into overdrive and I like do something extreme. Like when people tell me I'm not going to find something or get something, my reaction is quite extreme. So to fight that, that, that advice from the psychic, I decided to go on 14 first dates in one month. So I went on a dating app and I would book like four dates a day, all at a coffee shop on a Saturday. And I did 14 dates in one month, hoping that maybe I would find somebody. At the end of the 14 dates, I met nobody that I ever wanted to see again. It was horrible. I mean, I just met like the worst people of New York City. And all of a sudden I went to delete the app because I was ready to believe the psychic. And I got an outstanding message from somebody who was like, hey, Jen, like you haven't been answering me, but like our match is about to expire. Here's my number if you want to continue the conversation. And at that point, I was like, no way. And I thought to myself, okay, you know what, Jen, like you don't want the psychic to win. So why not go on a date 15? So I texted this number very rudely. And I said, look, if you want to meet me, meet me tomorrow at this coffee shop at noon. And the person was like, okay, Jen, sure. And the next day I went to the coffee shop and sure enough, the person that walked in date number 15's name was Adam. And five years later, we're trying to get married. So, (laughs) um, it was, uh, it was quite the whirlwind experience, but I'll never forget when he walked in the door, I just, I just, something just changed. Something just happened, which I think is like fair for me to say after going on 14 other dates that month. (laughs) That's that's amazing. I really do think it can be such a numbers game. I have so many well-meaning older influences in my life who will say, you know, well, you should try this app. You should try this app. And I'm like, it's all the same. It's just you have to go out with a bunch of them sometimes to find the right one. But I've personally had very bad experiences when it comes to psychics and relationships. I had one who pulled the three of swords on me, which if you don't know what that tarot card looks like, it's a heart with three daggers in it. And um, I had another one who told me the guy I was seeing at the time loved me a lot and had a big surprise for me. Well, he did. And he had another girlfriend was the big surprise. (laughs) I found out a week later. So I definitely, um, I would want to get back at the psychic as well. So I I really love that story. And I know right now, as you're trying to get married, you have, you know, a really cool project kind of going on right now. Finally, the bride. Do you want to tell our listeners a little about that? Yeah. So after I got engaged, I was so depressed because I was like, I can't do this. I, you know, everyone would always ask me what my dream wedding looked like. And I was like, I don't have one because I never cared about my own wedding and the thought of having to plan one. Plus like no one tells you, but after you get engaged, the conversation shifts from like, when are you going to get married? So what is your wedding going to look like? Mm-hmm. And when are you going to have a kid? And I was like, I just got engaged, people. So I got so stressed out and depressed. And I just thought to myself, I've let strangers into my life. or you know, They let me into their life so much. Why not let them into mine? And secretly, I built a website called Finally the Bride, where I put up like every wedding decision that I could think of for people to vote on. And I sat my fiance down. And I was like, look, I'm going to do this. And he was like, I'm not really about having strangers vote on our wedding, but okay. 
And I put it out there to the world. And over the past year, millions of strangers have voted on our wedding. And they planned a whole wedding for October of last year before the pandemic happened. And we had to cancel it. So now we're working on figuring out what to do next. But it's been an amazing experience because planning a wedding is very stressful, but it's also very lonely. And to me, I've always loved the comfort of strangers. And sometimes I just sit and I read the results and I read what people write me and it's empowering and it's beautiful. And I feel like I have all of these like female friendships just because of how people are responding to this. And I'm somebody who like, I don't have a lot of close friends in real life. I've always felt so connected to strangers. And this has just been such a great experience for me to make me feel a little bit better about this wedding process. I think that's so cool. Have you had any decisions that you've made based off of that that surprised you? Or what kind of interesting responses have you gotten? So what's interesting is now we're working on figuring out like perhaps just eloping. And a lot of what I'm I'm loving is like people's ideas of how to make that work. You know, my family's in Florida and Adam's family's in New Jersey. So the thought of not having them both there is tricky. And I think a lot of what people have been, you know, giving me advice on and helping me with is figuring out like how to be okay with that. So that's been really powerful. Um, so it started off with like people voting on, you know, random decisions like the color of the dress or the color of the flowers. But now it's become like more emotional where it's like, hey, like how do I deal with this? And it sort of evolved. And the cool part is I'm writing about it. So the book is finally The Bride and every month a new chapter comes out. And these chapters are not only on what people voted on, but also just like the truth about being engaged and planning a wedding during the pandemic. And Adam and I have done like interesting challenges where we met with a divorce lawyer and a marriage therapist. And like, I'm writing about all their advice and like a finance person. So the book is, has legs to it in the sense of it's like, it tells you things about being engaged that nobody else is going to talk about that maybe you need to hear. I love that because I think so often we think about, you know, someone's engaged, we want to see the ring, we want to know about the dress, we want to know about the venue or socially distanced venue. And we think about, you know, this beautiful highlight reel, but we don't really think about some of the logistics that go into it that are just as important, if not, you know, many of these much more important. I think that's so cool that you met with a divorce lawyer because I think, you know, a lot of people are very anti-prenup, but I think in a lot of ways, you know, just having those conversations early on, it kind of is like that insurance so that you don't necessarily need it. Um, so I think that's really cool that you're meeting with so many different people and, you know, getting this type of feedback as well. Yeah, I, I, and I like felt also like this extreme pressure being engaged that I was supposed to know everything about weddings and love and marriage. And, you know, even though I've been to hundreds of weddings, it doesn't matter because everybody is so different and every person is different. And, you know, Adam has been through the journey a lot with me too over the past five years of me not thinking I wanted to get married and then wanting to get married. And God bless his soul for like hanging in there. But, having these conversations with these professionals has just allowed us both to understand what marriage is. Like, I don't think the average person knows what changes legally or financially when you get married and they should. So, you know, I know Adam has been so hesitant to want to meet with some of these people. He's like, why are we meeting with a divorce lawyer? Like you're, you're taking this too far. But then afterward, he's like, you know what, Jed, like, actually we learned a lot. So <laughs> I'm really proud of this. And I think as he's gone through the process with me, he's like, oh, okay, you know, I get it. I totally get it. Absolutely. Um, what has been, I guess, the biggest surprise you've found from meeting with some of these people? You know, I we recently met with a marriage therapist. And I think it was surprising because even though Adam and I have been together for five years and we've gone through like 
so much. Like my life has changed the most in those five years. Like even though we've been through a lot and we've gotten through a lot, some of the things she was talking to us about were things that we need to still actively work on. You know, these are things that are like giving each other like the emotional safety, the space to be emotional and open up, like making sure that we're understanding what the other person needs. So, you know, even meeting with a marriage therapist before we're married and getting her advice I think really allowed us to be like, okay, here's where we're at with our relationship and here's where we have to continue to work. And people will say this all the time that relationships are always work and they are. And every relationship, whether it's a friendship or family member or spouse, it's work. And I know myself personally, like when I get busy and stressed, the first thing I stop doing work on are relationships. So I thought that conversation was pretty eye-opening and something I'm glad we did because we don't need the therapist now and I hope we don't in the future but I'm glad that we got that information. I think so too. I think it's important to just have those conversations. I think any kind of therapy, a lot of times, no matter how badly you need it or not, it can still be helpful and you can still really, you know, glean some really good advice from it. So I think that's really great that you guys kind of started those conversations early, even if you don't necessarily need it, just to kind of you know, just to understand each other a little bit better and what you may need to work on or not. Because you're right, I think for everybody, a relationship is going to be work. Yeah. And I don't think, you know, people realize that. Like people hear like, oh, relationships are about communication and trust, but there's so much more. (laughs) And the other thing that people don't realize is like, Things happen in life that you don't expect to happen that are horrible and curveballs. And for some of us, we haven't had those things happen yet. But for others of that, we've gone through that and we've gone through that with our partner. And those are some of the most trying times on a relationship. So, you know, I think having the tools and the skills to get through those things are essential because, you know, when you go through an all like a life altering moment or something really bad in your life, like that's when relationships start to get really, really messed up. And having some of these tools, I think, are really helpful. I completely agree. I think that, you know, it's not always going to be fun and exciting dates and butterflies. It's going to sometimes be dealing with the things that unfortunately life throws your way. Um, I really love in your books and in your blog and really in all of your writing, you do share the good and the bad because we do see, you know, as I said before, that highlight reel. And you said this in your book that nobody posts about how maybe we almost broke up this weekend or we had this fight about this. And I think it's great that you do share in your book and what you're doing about, you know, some of those things that maybe you are working toward and how you're getting through some of the tougher times. Because I think that is just as important for people to, to see and to know about. I think when I started really being like a writer for people, which I think happened after college, I started a blog and my goal with the blog was just to write for whoever wanted to read it. I think my goal was to always portray life as honest as I could because I'm the kind of person that like, I've always felt this life purpose of helping other people. And I think the only way to help other people is to be very genuine. And I've always said to myself, as long as I feel okay with it, I want to share some of the difficult parts of my life with people to let them know they're not alone. I think the original tagline on my blog was like something about being awkward and helping people not feel awkward. I don't know what it was, but like, I just sort of always wanted to have that as my agenda. I never wanted to become off of this this person who's perfect because I never feel perfect. I never feel all of these great things. I feel human. So I've tried to make that just an agenda in my writing and just who I am. I mean, my goal is like when I write and then people meet me in person, it's the same person. And I think that that's, you know, something that 
anybody struggles with when they have a blog or a podcast is they want to come off authentic. Mm -hmm. And I've never liked that word authentic because I feel like it means you have to try. But to me, I've just always tried to have this goal of like, okay, I'm going to be as honest as possible. And, you know, that might scare some people off. And it does. There's some people who are like, I I can't really like read your stuff anymore because you're like a little self-deprecating and you're too honest. But look, that's just who I am. And you can go read someone else's work who's like, everything is great, you know? So (laughs) I think I've just always made that like a prime agenda for anything I've done. I think that's so true. I mean, you know, as much as the the positivity is great and everybody wants to experience those positive things in their lives, sometimes that positivity can become almost toxic. And being able to see someone's struggles, especially you have built this incredible business, you're you're coaching people as well, you're doing all of these incredible things. And so for people to know, hey, it wasn't easy to get here. It, you know, took a lot of work. I still have my struggles. I think that's so important. And it helps your audience, I think, relate even more. I appreciate that. You know, sometimes I, I question what to put out, what not to put out, but I find that people respond the most to some of the newsletters or blogs I put out there where I'm just feeling real and being real. So I I try to make sure that that's sort of a priority, but you know, I I always say too, I have boundaries and you know, Mm -hmm. while I've been so public about my life since 2010, I've posted about my life there's still like a good chunk of my life that I don't let people see. You know, I always say that I probably talk about like 75% of my life, but there's still a chunk that I keep private because I'm not ready to share it because I haven't processed it because it's mine. So I think people need to know that because when you follow people, when you like people, you think you know them and you do, but you know, people have things they don't share. And that's important because, you know, it, it allows you to remember that everyone is human out there. And even people who are trying their best to, to give you the truth, give you the real, they have things they hold on to as well. I think those boundaries are so incredible too. And I think, as you said, that's important for people to know. I know that Melissa Urban, one of the founders of The Whole30, I always love how she posts about her boundaries with, you know, maybe talking about her son or certain aspects of her relationship and, and, and certainly the divorce that she went through. There are a lot of things that she's very open about, but she has also been very clear that, hey, these are some things I'm not going to talk about There are some things that, as you said, they're just for me and that's it. And so I think setting those boundaries is so important. So it's such an important part of self-care. It is. And it allows me to realize like if there's things I'm not ready to share, I shouldn't have to feel like I have to share them. So that's been like really good is to have those boundaries and also to remember that, you know, your life doesn't have to always be so public. And there's times where I'm posting a lot, but then there's times where I'm like, I just need to like be here in my life. So it is a tricky thing being somebody who has been open about a lot of their life as you grow up. And I'm growing up, you know, I've been doing this for more than 10 years and I want to continue to do this. But I think you always have to grow up and learn lessons along the way. I think that's so important. Now, I would love to dive into a few rapid fire questions to let our listeners know a little more about you. I'm excited. Awesome. Now, what would you say is your top wellness tip? My top wellness tip is forgiveness because I think when we strive to be perfect or incorporate all of these things into our day to make us feel better or have self-care, sometimes we don't get to all of them and we feel bad about ourselves. So my new thing is just forgiving myself when I don't get everything done or when I haven't been the nicest to myself because that forgiveness lets me move on faster and adjust. See, I knew we needed to talk today because I needed to hear that one. Yeah, I think like... 
we put so much pressure on ourselves to do all of these things, but sometimes we don't get everything done and you need to be able to say to yourself, like, it's okay, Jen, but tomorrow you'll fix it and you'll do it. And I think like the more you forgive yourself, the more you love yourself. And that's wellness to me. That's lovely. Where is your favorite travel destination? Ooh, well, last year at this time, I was in Australia for the first time for a friend's wedding. And I loved it so much. I kept thinking when I was there that I would love to live there at some point. And then the pandemic happened. But I I love Australia. I loved the culture. I loved the people. I loved the scenery. I loved the weather. And I'm just craving Australia. And now that reminds me of something that you did. This is not rapid fire, but, um, you know, you used to write about you would live, you and Adam would live in different cities at different points. What inspired that? And where did you live that you absolutely fell in love with? So about a year and a half into our relationship, Adam and I were both working at home. We were both sort of working for ourselves and it was time to move in together. And I sort of panicked. So we decided for what ended up being two years to live in a new city every month. So we sold our belongings, we gave up our leases, and every month we would live in a new city. So we lived all over. And sometimes we repeated cities. So we lived in Denver, Austin, Portland, California, like just all over the place. And I have to say, I loved Portland, Oregon. I just, oh my goodness, I could live there forever. And sometimes we think about it. But It was a different pace than New York City. It was slower, of course, but beautiful. And we met such great people. And I think one of the best experiences from this two years was the people we met in these cities. Like I made lifelong friends in some of these cities. And I just feel so grateful that we were able to do it. And we did it before the pandemic, of course, as well. So that was super fun. That's such a cool experience. And I got to add Portland to my list. I almost went a couple of years ago when I was in Seattle, but I wasn't able to, um, you know, to fit it into the trip. But wow, that sounds that sounds like such a cool experience to have gotten to do. Now, if you were an animal, what animal would you be and why? Ooh, I would be a dog because I think my dog lives a really good life and I would want to be. Yes. <laughs> For real, I I always say I'd like to be one of my parents' dogs because they're so spoiled. They're definitely the favorites. They're the best. That's that's just what I would want. (laughs) What is your number one favorite show to binge? Before the pandemic, I never watched TV, but now I watch way too much of it. And we just finished a couple of shows that were awesome. The first one was The Imposters, which is a show that was on Bravo, but now it's on Netflix. And that was awesome. And then we just finished an Amazon show called The Wilds, which is a bunch of teen girls that get stuck on an island. And I just took to that so hard. So those are the two that I really love. And before the pandemic, I never watched TV. So I'm like so into everything. I'm like, I love it. Oh, it's all good. <laughs> That's awesome. I got to check out The Wild. That sounds like such a cool show. And I, I'm i starting to like wear out my welcome on Netflix, but Prime, I haven't been watching quite as much. So I think that I could get into that one. Oh my God. Like it's just, it's, yeah, it's a good show. If you're, you know, I think any woman can really relate to a lot of the themes in it from, you know, being in, being that age too. So it's just, it's a beautiful show. I love that. And what is your favorite social distancing activity? This is a good one. So I think it has to do with my, so we got a pandemic puppy on March 25th last year named Goofy. And I think he's my pride and joy. And that's my favorite activity is just spending time with her. I can't even tell you 
how much I adore her, how much she's my soulmate and how much I spend with time with her all day long. And it just brings me such joy. I love that. What kind of dog is she? She's a Havanese and we named her Goofy just because I liked the name, but it's so her personality. Like everyone that meets her, they're like, that's the best name for her. And she's really my soulmate. I I say this to Adam. I say it to everyone. No one's ever loved me as much as she does. She is so in love with me. And she just like, because she loves me so much, I feel like I'm a happier person. And she knows when I'm not feeling good or when I'm down. And I talk to her like she's my therapist. And I just, I love her. And she's become like my true best friend. That's so, that's incredible. I, I just love that. I think, I think the pandemic has been so nice for our pets too. It's, it hasn't been the best for us, but I always say like with my, with my parents' dogs and even with my sister's dog, when she was working from home, like I'm sure they have to love like getting all of that extra time. I know it's going to be so hard when, when things change. I mean, you know, we, before we got her, before the pandemic, Adam and I were never home. I traveled every single week. So now that we've been home for a year straight, I don't know how life's going to be after, but you know, she's loving this pandemic. It's like, this is for her right now. Yes. Yes. My parents have a German shepherd who is a little antisocial. She's nervous around people. And I was saying like, she loves social distancing. She is with a couple of people that she actually loves and nobody bothers her and everyone stays at home with her all the time. And it's perfect. It's such a good time for to be a dog. It really is. Yeah. Now I have an additional rapid fire question for you, kind of a bonus, um, but favorite place to get pizza in New York City? Ooh, thank you for asking. I'm so craving this right now. I love Joe's Pizza, which is a place you can find all over. There's one in Brooklyn. There's a couple in Manhattan. I love their pizza because it's like standard New York pizza. You know what you're going to get. It's not expensive. And I get, I usually every Friday night, I get three slices and I eat them so fast because they're so good. So Joe's Pizza for the win. I am craving that right now. That sounds amazing. I'm craving it too. And I like, I heard National Pizza Day was the other day and I missed it. And I'm just, I'm so upset because Friday's our pizza night. But you know what? I think I might do it for lunch. You might have to. I, I that happened. I was on um I was on Instagram. I'd already eaten dinner and I'm scrolling through stories. I'm like, why is everybody posting pizza tonight? Right. And I was really mad that I ate and I still really wanted to order something anyway, but um yeah, that sounds absolutely amazing. Yeah, because I, I feel like to be honest with you, every night if I had it my way, it would be pizza night, but I try to be a little healthier, but oh man, I probably eat pizza at least like three to four times a week. And I, I'm happy about that. Hey, can't fault you for that. It's no. so good. It's, oh man, I know. Now tell our listeners about your podcast, your website, where they can find you, all of that good stuff. Yeah. So you can come check me out, jenglance.com. Come hang out on Instagram at jenglance and you can find the podcast. You're not getting any younger wherever you listen to podcasts. And then you can find all of the books on Amazon or on my website, finally, thebride.com. And I know that you're serving as a coach as well. What kind of courses are you offering? Yeah. So on my website, I offer one-on-one coaching where we'll work together for an hour or half hour at a time. And we can work on a ton of different things from creating a side hustle, getting a new job, fighting imposter syndrome, all of those topics. And then I also have courses on my website for personal branding, for starting a side hustle, for public speaking and more. 
love it. I will be sure to link all of that in the show notes so you guys can go check Jen out. She has some really incredible resources and you will absolutely love her books. Jen, thank you so much for joining us on the show this week. Thank you so much for having me. This was so much fun. I had such a blast recording this interview with Jen and getting to hear more of her story. I so admire her authenticity. I've really enjoyed following her journey over the years, and I found what she had to say about learning to trust yourself just so important. We can wait forever until the situation is perfect and until all of the stars align, but we just aren't going to get anywhere in life if we don't actually get started. So I think it really ties back nicely to last week's discussion that we had on imposter syndrome as well. I think it's so important for us to just take a step back, look at how we're talking to ourselves on a day-to-day basis. We know that we can make mistakes. We just have to kind of adjust and, you know, take the lessons from them as they come. So loved this conversation. I have linked all of Jen's information, including her books in the show notes, and be sure to check out and subscribe to her show for more helpful nuggets of wisdom every week. It's called You're Not Getting Any Younger, and it is fantastic. She has some amazing guests as well. Thank you for sharing a part of your day with us here at Wellness and Wanderlust. And if you enjoyed this episode, it would mean the world to me if you would share on Instagram, tag me at Wellness and Wanderlust blog, send it to a friend. Make sure you rate and review the show on whatever app you're listening on if you have a spare moment. And if you have a topic that you'd like to see, shoot me an email at Valerie at wellnessandwanderlust.net. I would love to hear from you. Have a wonderful day and I will see you next week. 